Chapter Fifteen of Almond Blossom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Almond Blossom by Olive Wadsley. Chapter Fifteen. Debts make free men slaves. Sophocles. When Doro faced Pan, utter nervousness possessed her. She wanted to laugh aimlessly. She had no clear thought, no instinct of what to say. She gave her hand to Pan and as if that touch released some spring which had restrained her mind there rushed upon her the memory of their last parting that winter's night years before and then she said with banal flatness you're back then pan answered the prodigal has returned will you help kill the fatted calf at a dinner to-morrow at the ritz i'm staying there and you ione is giving me a season ah really his eyes sparkled for a moment. That is splendid. I am to be in town, too. Ione joined them with a little cry of pleasure. You, she said, holding Pan's arm. After long years, indeed. Well, commissava? Isn't everything very much the same? Pan answered. Ah, you've been as dull as that, poor dear. You look radiant, he told her. I feel it. Why not? Dora was studying Pan as he talked to Ione, and the study stirred her heart unutterably. She so loved beauty, and here before her again was that face which had once been as a god's, at which, just to look, had seemed such wonderful happiness. And she had not only looked. Her heart throbbed unbearably as she recalled those wild kisses, clinging, unsatisfied, so passionate, as she remembered other dear absurd little delights of love-making pan's eyelashes kissing her cheek herself tracing his profile with a finger he caught and prisoned between his lips now they met like this and yet all that had been that question women's hearts have asked through the ages echoed in doros how can he how can he how could he stand so near and never care if it were less near or more he who had once said i could hold you in my arms forever yet he could and suddenly his indifferent composure became a mortification she gave a little smothered gasp she would go she would not wait david shropshire passed his face lit up at the sight of her my dance he said impressively and led her away Ione laughed at Pan. You saw? Not entirely clearly, I'm ashamed to confess, my dear, knowing your passion for pace in all things. Not at all, but in this affair, yes. David wants to marry Doro, and I want him to, too. She's the sort of girl who won't take the plunge easily. There is too much romance about her, my dear, to allow of any dalliance. If she waits to marry, she will wait, become Toye, probably, and not marry at all. And that is a tragedy for any woman with looks. Why? asked Pan idly, disliking the conversation, yet forced to go on with it if he wished to learn more of Doro. Oh, children, Ione threw out lightly. Doro should have adorable babies, position, and so on. After all, Tony can do something for her, but not very much. Rex gets everything naturally. He's the dearest being, a cross between Sir Galahad, a budding La Rochefoucauld, and a portrait of one's ancestors. Pan asked, with startling abruptness, Rexford, how is he? 
rexford that's all he wished ione would not be so elliptically witty or less convinced wit must be brief did he talk over my sins with you he had to know that to discover where he stood in this new and intriguing scheme of things which presented itself to him and doro as ione's ward ione laughed really amusedly my dear i only see tony once in fifteen blue moons and then only for an hour in eternity he may begin the discussion you mention we might thrash the matter out then she did not know then how'd you like having doro with you he said pretending to look in idle interest about him oh greatly she has all the gifts a guest should have looks an exploitable talent the right clothes i chose em and thank god the art of retirement shall we dance End of chapter fifteen recording by Marisel Quee